Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you all so much for the opportunity of giving us to gather in your house and be able to study your word. And help us now as we get into it to understand it and apply it in the right way and draw close to you. Build our faith and trust in you and in your word. Thank you once again as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Continuing our Exploring the Word series, the book of Acts. Picking it back up here in Acts chapter 16, where we see Paul on a missions journey and some others that were traveling with him. And here in Acts chapter 16, pick it right up here. reads, Then came he, being Paul, to Derbe and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus. Now we also know him as Timothy. We have the two books or two letters from Paul written to Timothy. At this time, Timothy was a very young man and became what you might call a protege or a student of Paul in the mission field, training Timotheus or Timothy to be a pastor and a church leader. He's the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess, and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him, and took and circumcised him because of the Jews, which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. It's very interesting here how we see that Paul decides to circumcise Timothy. Now, in previous chapters, we saw the controversy over circumcision and how they had determined not to impose circumcision upon the Gentiles. But here we see Paul going ahead and having Timothy get circumcised. But the clue here, it reads, because of the Jews which were in those quarters. So in other, in other words, a way to appease those that would resist any teaching or any guidance from Timothy, they chose to do this to appease them. And... The fact that he was both a Greek and a Jew played as part of that. As it continues, and as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. Now these decrees were those that we see that they come up with in chapter 15, verse 20, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. But not that they have to be circumcised. So you've got to wonder exactly what was going on with Paul and how he was picking things to go ahead and follow Paul and these others at the beginning of the New Testament church that some ordinances they wanted to follow, others they did not want to follow, how they chose them, and why they chose them, and the fact that they don't continue those is, is interesting. It's how, it shows the growth of the New Testament church. Now, Jesus Christ emphasized the two great commandments, to love God with all your existence and to love others as yourself. He never emphasized having to be circumcised or eating particular things or not eating particular things. Those are things that were sort of leftovers from the Old Testament that came along 
for a while. It didn't continue throughout history, of course, but we see that here they are still enforcing a little bit of that or recommending, not commanding, but recommending that they do that. And it was a, as I say, a transitional period, a time of growth for all of them. As it continues in verse 5, And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, which is interesting, just a little note there, forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. They were being directed by the Holy Ghost and told not to go in Asia at that time. Later they would, of course, but not at that time. After they were come to Messiah, they essayed to go into Bethany, but the Spirit suffered them not. Once again, showing that they were being guided by the Holy Ghost. And they, passing by Messiah, came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath we went out of the city by a riverside, where prayer was wont to be made, and we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized and her household, she sought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and abide there, and she constrained us. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. Now this spirit of divination would have been, an, she was possessed by a demon. And the way that these guys were able to make money is she would give what seemed to be or appeared to them as forecasts or predictions or information that she would not have been revealed to directly herself, but by that indwelling spirit of the devil in her and his sources was able to give her information that she then gave those other fellows and they made profit off of that. And it came to pass as he went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God. 
The devil would know that for sure. Which show unto us the way of salvation. That sounds like that would be a great thing for her to be doing that. And that that should please the apostles. That they had another one broadcasting who they are and what they were there for. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. So why was Paul grieved? It wasn't because of what the young lady was saying. That he was thankful for. But the fact that he knew that she was possessed by a devil. And that's what grieved Paul and wanted to relieve her of this possession and did. Verse 19. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, because there's no more indwelling devil in her, to give her the information that she couldn't have on her own and couldn't give him, them guys any more profit. So they got upset. Always can follow the money trail and the motivation of many people than when they go up against others. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace and to the rulers and brought them to the magistrates saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. And teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. They didn't care about those things. They were just worried about the money they were losing. And a multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. And having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. Paul and Silas could have been moaning and groaning and crying out, Why is this happening to us, Lord? Why have we been beaten? We're out here doing a good work, but yet this happens to us. Now we're in prison. But no, they weren't doing that. They were singing praises to the Lord. And they were rewarded for it. And the keepers of the prison, awaking out of the sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. Why would he have killed himself? Because the punishment that he would have received would have been worse than him killing himself. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. So see, the Lord's able to take something that was bad or harmful or uncomfortable and turn it into something beneficial great benefit that this whole family here were to become saved as 
a result of Paul and Silas being put into prison. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the sergeant saying, let those men go. And the keeper of the prison told this saying to Paul, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. But Paul said unto them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned, being Romans, and have cast us into prison. And now do they thrust us out privily? Nay, verily, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. And the sergeants told those words unto the magistrates, and they feared when they heard that they were Romans, because it was against the law for them to incarcerate or to beat a Roman unjustifiably without having a trial prior to that. There was no trial. They just beat them and tossed them in jail. So it wasn't through the proper channels, the proper order, and they would have been accountable for it. So they were upset. And they came and besought them and brought them out and desired them to depart out of the city. And they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. Right on into chapter 17. Now when they had passed through... And Phipolius and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ." And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas and of, a devout, and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude of the chief women, not a few. Having a great response from the Gentiles was amazing. You would have thought that more of the Jews would have come to the realization of the fulfillment of the prophecies that they had been taught their whole lives, but they were resistant to it. But the Jews which believed not, moved with envy, notice, with envy. They were envious of the attention and of the prosperity and the expansion of the New Testament church. But the Jews which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the Bazar sort. In other words, a bunch of liars and somebody they could get to do something illegal. And gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also, whom Jason hath received, and these do all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things, especially about the proclamation of another king, because they would be fearful of the Roman armies. If the Roman armies thought that there was somebody coming in trying to proclaim themselves to be king, Caesar would have sent some troops in there and just wiped everybody out. 
and started over, which was part of their practice. They had what you might call skeleton crew in many of the areas that were around Rome. And when they found out something was going on that needed to be taken care of, they would bring in a mass amount of troops and just kill everybody and then allow new pilgrims to come in and settle that. And that was the fear that would go into all the communities that they needed to stay on the up and up, not to go contrary to anything that Caesar wanted going on. Otherwise, they would all be wiped out. So when they heard that somebody was proclaiming them to be king, that upset them. And when they had taken security of Jason, in other words, a bond, he had to pay a bond or a bail to get out. And of the others, they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those of Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. Notice, these Jews wanted to hear it and received it, were willing to be given the truth, not deny the truth completely like some of the unruly and non-believing Jews. And search the Scriptures daily whether these, those things were so. Notice, they searched the Scriptures. They didn't have the New Testament. They didn't even have the Gospels yet. But they searched the Scriptures. They searched the Old Testament. The Old Testament proclaiming the coming of Jesus Christ and the fulfillment of all those many prophecies. They looked back at it and then saw the witnesses and the reports of what was going on right there at that time and could see that, yes, this is a fulfillment of the prophecies, and they believed. Therefore, many of them believed also of honorable women, which were Greeks, and of men, not a few. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul in Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. They weren't satisfied with just getting rid of them in Thessalonica. They found out that they were nearby, so they said, well, let's go over there and chase them off too. And then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go, as it were, to the sea. But Silas and Timotheus abode there still. And they that conducted Paul brought him to Athens and receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus for to come to him with all speed, they departed. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. They were a bunch of folks that were into all kinds of religions. This, you might say, was some of the early coexist bunch. They wanted to just bring in every religion there is and study it and abide by what they chose to abide by in each one of them. They were, they're curious in that way and had that same attitude, as I say, that you see today with the people with the bumper stickers, the coexist bunch. These were some of the early coexist bunch. It was therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him, and some said, What will this babbler say? Others, some, He seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to Areopagus, saying, 
may we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is. Like now they got to curiosity. Let's hear it. For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that ye in all things are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with an inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. See, at Mars Hill, they had all the various gods carved out in sculptures and placed around in their names and their different, all, all, no, their different altars and so forth, places to worship them set up. And then they just to cover things, they said, well, let's do one here and put one here in case there's a God we've missed out on to the unknown God. That's why he's calling them too superstitious. They wanted to cover it all, get it all in there. It's like the coexist bunch. Whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needeth anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. He was telling them here, he doesn't need you guys. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need anybody. He doesn't need a temple made. He doesn't need a sculpture carved or an altar put here or there. He doesn't depend on that or need that. As he continues describing the Lord, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Notice here, if everyone would look at this one verse and believe it, there would not be any racism at all in the world. As he clearly says, and hath made of one blood all nations. We are all the descendants of Adam. When you have these forms to fill out, what is your nationality? Are you you Caucasian, you white, you black, you other, you're Asian, whatever, American Indian. And then you got down there, it says other. Some people nowadays will, where it says other, they'll write in Adam's race, you know, or Adam's descendant. And, I mean, that takes it in. Because we are all Adam's descendant. So there are no different races. That was a word invented by somebody who wanted division. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed of the bounds of their habitation that they should seek the Lord if haply they might feel after him and find him though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have been as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also of are also his offspring. See, it's interesting how Paul is able to take 
what they have around them and their own beliefs and use them to show the Lord. They had this unknown God. Well, let me show you the God you don't know. And then you have this poem here that is actually somewhat truth in that. And he used that as well. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, speaking of Jesus Christ. Wherefore, he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. That was a clincher there when he told them that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked and others said, We will hear thee again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them. Howbeit, certain men clave unto him, and believed, among the which was Dionysius and Aragopicet, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Not a great amount of people like the early results that Peter had when he was preaching to the Jews, and he had several thousand come to believe. But here you have people that were so hardened in their beliefs, and yet some did believe. So this was a very successful short sermon presented to them. To have any of them come and believe was a great accomplishment. And it continued, and it it spread, and continues to spread today. So you have those that are so superstitious that they want to include all the gods. Just bring them all in, bring them together, we'll worship all of them. That way we got it covered one way or the other. But ain't it the way it works. The Lord is, as He says, the jealous God. He don't want us worshiping anything other than Him because anything else is contrary to what He tells us because we're to love Him with all of our existence, not to just give Him a portion of our love. All right, let's close here and we'll pick it back up in chapter 18 next time. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for Your Word, these records of the things that were going on back then, the establishment of the new church and the way that they grew. And then we know that we can grow as well as we learn more and more Your will in our life. And help us to have that burning desire to learn that and a burning desire to dig deep into Your Word to find that information that we need. Then encourage us to apply it and also to go out and share it with others. Thank You so much for it all as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Thank you all.